Hey guys, we've got Thomas Marshall from Marshall Electrics in Auckland, New Zealand. How you going, Tom? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, awesome, dude. Super pumped to talk to you because by far, I don't know by by far, but you have definitely shown a lot of people up on how fast you can grow a company, you know, coming through the academy. And I'm super pumped about sharing your story, man. It's so exciting. Yeah, well, it's all um, all thanks to you guys, really. So wouldn't, dude, wouldn't be in the same position, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, man, it's been awesome to watch. Hey, like, um, so Tom, just a bit of background. Jo Tom uh, joined Incubator two weeks after starting his company. Uh, we don't usually recommend people go straight in, but somehow Tom got into it and uh, he blitzed it. It was awesome. He implemented everything he was learning, which is one of the biggest things. Like when you're coming through one of our coaching programs, implementations where you get the results so many people learn and learn and they listen to podcasts and they they read books and they might, might do a course or whatever but they don't actually implement and that's why i'm so excited that you just were implementing everything you were learning and as a result got this tremendous growth to the point where we usually see businesses who are in uh, business for like three to five years at the turnover that you got to in just three months so it's just awesome to see man so um I'm, I'm excited to learn what makes you like that today. So um, I uh, would love to have a chat about you and uh, a little bit about, you know, how you became an electrician to kick this one off, man. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, the biggest thing or well, the biggest driver motivator, I guess, is I just want to do it once and do it properly. I'd, I'd hate to get, you know, put in all this time and effort and losing sleep and stressing heaps for no reward which is pretty much what I was doing before, like you saw. Yeah. So yeah. contracting to other firms, um, undercutting myself without even knowing it, thinking that I'm making all this money when I'm really not. Um, yeah, so to get that big realisation from joining Incubator to you guys basically telling me I'm doing it all wrong was exactly what I needed <laughs> and it was great. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now. So, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing is, yeah, do it once, do it properly. So... Yeah, cool. you guys are providing all those great resources. Got to use them. So Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So let's rewind more. I want to go right back. So when you started as an electrician, how did you uh, get into being becoming an electrician? Oh, basically, so, yeah, I left school um, in year 12 and just sort of thought, yeah, like this ain't, this ain't for me. I need to sort of do something. I'd always – I'd done a few – sort of uh, work experience days with other trades. I did a couple uh, building days and Sparky, plumber, a bit of everything. And um, the Sparky that I was working with was um, just, just hilarious. I just enjoyed working with him. And it was just like, he just looked like he really enjoyed his job. So, and I just thought, well, wow, yeah, I'd love to be doing this, cruising around in the U all day, going to different people's houses. It just, you know, screamed a bit of me. So, um, yeah, I, I was in Sydney. At that point and then when i moved here i um, managed to get an apprenticeship uh, with a big commercial firm and they were awesome had heaps of cool work and i got to meet some really awesome guys that taught me like amazing things and um yeah just never looked back yeah awesome man so you and are you from new zealand originally and you came to australia and then you went back to new zealand no so i'm from sydney so i've yeah right been here for five maybe six years now and yeah. um you're yeah, definitely, you're picking up the accent strong, man. So <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's mongrel now. No one yeah, knows what I. It's definitely mongrel. I'm just like, okay, so he's he's sounding pretty Aussie, but he's sound definitely Kiwi as well. So yeah, <laughs> transferring nicely over. It's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully not too much. Hopefully not too much. But, so awesome. yeah, I started my apprenticeship here, and um, yeah, just finished it with this real cool commercial firm in the city, just doing big office floor fit outs and yeah, just big commercial projects. And when I started, you know, my company, uh, you know, it's pretty hard to get that sort of work straight away. And then I sort of actually fell in love with doing residential work, working in people's homes and trying to improve them, make them better, making them aware of different things. And um, yeah, so I sort of found my niche doing that. Oh, awesome. So what sort of work were you doing as an apprentice in Sydney? Oh, just so I did my apprenticeship here, so I wasn't a um, wasn't a tradie there at all. Like I did some work experience, bits and bobs back there, but actually fully did everything here. So I got trained up here. Yeah, 
Sure. So, um, yeah, work as an apprentice, sort of, um, it was just big sites, so like big numbers. So we'd just do like, we'd get like a full tenancy sort of fit out. So, you know, you get given a plan, sort of running cables here and there, putting these lights up. And yeah, so it was basically six week projects just rolling on and off, um, which was pretty cool, pretty repetitive, but it was like, you know, still really good. It made it good that we had a really nice team of guys that we all, we all got along. So it was really good. It made the work days like, you know go real fast and it was just real good clean work so yeah. i was in for a surprise when i crawled up into my first residential ceiling drilling down top plates on top of dead rats i was like is this what it's all like <laughs> so um but yeah no nah, it's not all like that so that's nah, been really really good a nice um change for me i think i needed it after doing that sort of work for so long yeah let's talk about your transition from commercial over to residential because I know a lot of people do that and I did that myself. So I, I was doing back in Perth when I was a, an apprentice, uh, my first year of my apprenticeship, I was working for a guy where I did uh, all aircon, mech services sort of stuff. And then he was a drill sergeant, but taught me so much. Like I, I really didn't like how hardcore he was in terms of everything he was training me in. But I realized later how much I'd learnt when I moved to the next company and I was telling the tradesman, how a relay works or a contractor works and stuff like that in my second year, um, which then led on to me, you know, being able to do fire systems because you didn't have to be a licensed electrician. I, I got given a van and I was out doing fire system maintenance for a bit. Um, but then at nighttime, I'd go and work with the commercial guys on the bank electrical. So I was doing 16 hour days as a second year. Um, and so I got, I got used to doing that. But then when I started my company, I went to residential and I hadn't actually done much of it. So the learning curve was so steep. So I'd love to hear your experience around going from commercial as an apprentice and then jumping in as a tradie to residential and then yeah, your business it, in that as well. Yeah, it was real like there's just a few things, um, you know, like the biggest thing was like I never really did much to do with RCDs and all that sort of stuff because you don't do that in commercial over here. So it was a big sort of change and a lot more regs that I needed to know and be clued up on while I was like just throwing myself in the deep end, just learning all those little tricks of what's the quickest way to get down a wall. Um, if you're going through brick, what are you doing here and blah, blah, blah. So it's, you know, it took a bit of time to sort of get used to, but once I learned, it, it forces you to learn really quick when it's yeah. your own company. So I learned pretty fast, you know, you'd make one mistake and then you realize, oh, like that's costing you money now. So you learn yeah. pretty quick. And um, yeah, yeah. Once, once I got the hang of it, doing different, you know, learning different tricks, especially from you guys as well, just seeing like, that tip of the week stuff's gold. Like I've used yeah. multiples of them all the time now. So um, the one that still gets me is um, Andrew Sly's one, uh, finding the... Uh, base plate. Yeah, base plate. Um, yeah, with those big screws. Mate, I use that all the time now. It's just saving so <laughs> much time. So yeah. Yeah, little things like that. And it's just, it's awesome that we can all sort of help each other out with all these tips because I'm still learning stuff today. Like, yeah. you know, so yeah, no, it's been, yeah, once I got used to it, it's, it's great. Yeah. Do you know that one of the biggest frustrations I have around apprenticeships, you know, across the world is that the tradespeople usually, uh, they take ownership of their job and they go out and they'll do the best they can and they'll try and get through their day so they get home on time and they know by, this is when you're not the business owner training the apprentice. I think that's a different story. But when you've got staff training apprentices, it's really important you have some framework to be able to train these apprentices because so many electricians come out of their time where the tradespeople are just trying to get home on time and they know if they tell the apprentice to go and do something or if they are going to spend time telling them how a circuit needs to be run or why you need to do this or how this fault gets rectified, if they spend deep analysis time with them training, they know they might not get home on time. So they don't. And they'll just, they'll just go and do it themselves because they know it's faster. And so the apprentice comes around watching the whole time until they become a tradesperson. And then the, and then the business owner's like, cool, you go and do it. And they're like, fuck, I don't even know what to do. Like I've seen them do it, but I haven't actually done it myself. And this happens so much that it's, it's ridiculous. The amount of interviews I've done with tradespeople where they just know fuck all about anything and it's like, what the hell, man? Like, how have you gone through your whole apprenticeship? But it's not, it's not their fault. It's the tradespeople they're working with's fault. Um, and so I think it's really important um, that we 
make a better training system and even post trade, like that's why we've got peak performance electrician staff training, you know, weekly we're training electricians every single week of the teams of the peak performers so that we can, you know, give them the guidance they need to perform well before they, you know, while they're out, because once you become a tradesman, you're not with anyone to learn from anyone anymore. eh, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was really lucky uh, with my firm. All the guys were like really good at training the apprentices. It was a great environment to be in. I was just constantly asking questions. Um, and when you weren't asking questions and the tradesman like looked down at you doing nothing, twiddling your thumbs, they'd just tell you off anyway. They're just <laughs> yeah. like, right, you're going to be qualified in a year or whatever. And all right, how do you do this then? And they would yeah. really put it to you because it is important. So yeah, just one of those ones. Eh? Like it's super important to take out that time. Yeah, if you get home half an hour later, like in the grand scheme of things, training your staff is the biggest thing because you're showing them the way that you want them to do stuff as well. Yeah. So, you know, that's yeah. the biggest thing with me hiring a third year apprentice who starts in two weeks now. Um, that's going to be my main focus is just making sure that our quality doesn't drop just because he doesn't know or hasn't seen me do it and, or hasn't asked. Yeah. So that's where the, you know, peak performance staff training is just so valuable. Like I go into those calls most weeks and even for me, it's still refreshing sometimes little things that you don't think about all the time. And it's, it's great. Yeah. hundred percent, man. And I, I think also with, um, you know, that transition from then tradesman to business owner, again, you're like, you don't have the support. You go even further away from support. Don't you reckon? Um, and you're sort of dropped into the, the world of now you have to do everything yourself. So good luck. Um, Whereas uh, when you're a tradesman, at least you can still ask your business owner that you work, your employer or some other teammates, hey, what do I do in this situation? So um, I, I still remember myself calling people I used to work with like, oh, what do I do in this situation? Because I, you know, I wasn't 100% up on everything. Um, so, you know, I think, I think we've got to revisit as an industry, you know, how we train uh, staff through, you know, their, their apprenticeship and then post-trade getting their license as well when they're actually out on their own because the um the narrative out there is definitely oh you learn everything once you become a tradesman like that first year of being a tradesman you learn so much it's like why couldn't you learn that before and then and just roll into it you know but anyway yeah exactly so yeah that's that's the biggest thing like there's there's going to be things that you you know haven't done for ages as well and like coming across those sorts of situations again, he's like, oh yeah, I just want to, you know, it'd be nice to just have someone to call and go, hey, I'm looking at this, this is what I think's right. Um, is that, what do you reckon? You know, like yeah. even having that as our group is awesome. Seeing yeah. guys pop in questions all the time. Like I popped in, like, I don't deal with solar stuff often at all. So popping in questions about that and then guys just straight away, yep, yep, this is what you want to do, blah, blah, blah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Tell me about some of the biggest things you learned as an apprentice. Like obviously working on commercial, like you said, high rises. Yeah. What are some yep. of the things that you learned? The biggest takeaways as an apprentice for you with the company you work for, what's some like insights you could share around working in that environment to, to um, perform really well as an electrician. The biggest thing um, that I took away from those sorts of projects was definitely just time management sort of stuff and how projects roll over smoothly because it all it takes is like a few you know cock-ups and it just throws everything out of order you know yeah. like something gets messed and then walls are already lined or you know this hasn't been run to the correct spot or whatever so it was just really paying attention to details so learning how to read a plan properly and you know making sure everything's to scale. If you're measuring up things, knowing how far this cable can go before it has to be a different size, all those little things. So I was really yeah. lucky with these guys that were just down to a T knew exactly what they were doing. So it was great. Um, that That's probably the biggest thing. Cause you know, when, when you're doing that job every single day, you sort of, you know, you pick up all those skills, you know, stripping cable faster, putting up lights faster, you know, yeah. pulling things down the wall, you, you pick up all that stuff, but actually, knowing how to run a job uh, was the biggest thing. And all those guys in my old company were like pretty gifted at it. They've just yeah. knew how to do it. So. so good. So good when you work with the right people and you've got an environment where people are sharing their knowledge and being able to um, 
you know, pass that on to you as well, which is great. Um, have you got any stories? I've got so many. I think I've, I'm probably re- repeating myself if I shared one today. But um, a story of either in your apprenticeship or early trade that you totally fucked up um, and you wish you knew that before it happened. Um, but uh, it happened and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. I'm talking fire, shocks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, shocks. I've shocked myself as an apprentice, as a retard. Um, I would have been in my first year. I remember it was me and another apprentice and we were just um, cruising around and the tradesman had asked me to get this cable uh, ready to like just pull it out, get it ready to fit off this induction hob. And it was big, um, like, you know, six mil cable and it had a junction box on it. I didn't test it at all. I just opened up the junction box, took all the connectors off and just grabbed it like ready to go and just gave myself the biggest whack. And ever since that day, I'm just still like just terrified of electricity. And that's what you need as an apprentice as well. I sort of think (laughs) is um, because I didn't really believe them when they said like, you know, that like really hurts if you get a shock. I'd never had one. So I was like, oh yeah, yeah, can't be that bad, you know? Like I was thinking, you know, car battery sort of zap sort of thing. But no, this like threw me off my feet, like halfway yeah. back the room. And then the trades would come back into the room, just looks at me and goes, you're an idiot. So I didn't yeah. tell you to do that at all. So look at you. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I felt so bad. You just feel like you've let them down. And that's probably the worst feeling. But um, yeah, that, yeah. That, that was my sort of funny one. Just, I've just heard of, Yeah, I've heard of, um, this is like, hard to predict if this was going to happen but like i've heard of um one one time fitting off rcds in a multi-unit complex um trying to trace out the the neutral for the correct active when there's it's like spaghetti in the back um, Mm. on the switchboard and there was a 1.5 mil cable and um they disconnected it and left it hanging up tested it so it wasn't live then turned around, blah, 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 came back to the cable and someone at the same time had turned on the light switch in the unit, which was the wrong unit. So now it's coming down to find a return path back to, through the neutral. And when they grabbed it, it was only a small cable, but they grabbed it and it hooked into their hand and they couldn't let go. So it was only a small voltage, but they couldn't, you know, current and they couldn't let go. So, um, so they were just getting shocked slowly and uh, luckily, they were able to jump back and pull the cable out before they were hooked on too long. But uh, they said it seemed like a lifetime that they were attached to the cable. Just a small trickle, you know, current yeah. and is able to latch you on. Um, and luckily, they, they weren't, like, seriously injured from that. But it just shows you how, you know, just the smallest amount can be so dangerous. Um, and so why we have to test the tester and test again before you touch. And... Oh. and yeah. So important. It happened to a guy at my old firm. Um, he was the service sparky uh, for us and he had a dodgy old light fitting that he went to change the lamp in and the metal casing on the inside of it had come live and he'd grabbed it and hooked onto it. It was in our car park at about 6.30 in the morning where we used to park all of our vans and we don't start till 7. He used to start a little bit earlier to get away a little bit earlier and he latched onto it. And lucky, one of the other guys was walking past, managed, he just jumped up and ripped the cable, like ripped the whole cable out the light fitting. And then the oh. guy yeah, just sort of fell to the ground, but it buggered his shoulder. He'd like dislocated his shoulder from it. Because oh, of all man. pulling off a ladder. So it's, it's you gotta be so careful. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, Pretty scary. that's uh, yeah, scary. And then the bigger the voltage, the bigger the blow seen people like blow out skin out of their elbow from like passing through and DC voltages are going to be the worst, right? Like they just explode your skin out because it's just one way and AC sort of latches you on and you can't let go. Yeah. (laughs) um, DC just goes, blows out your arm and, or your leg or wherever it comes out, you know, and just pulls skin and muscle out with it. Absolutely horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Some, like if you guys haven't looked that up, uh, DC, you know, electric shocks, there's some gruesome photos online, I'm sure. Even um, cutting a DC cable, I did that as an apprentice as well, actually. 
uh, for the old emergency lighting systems in big high-rise buildings. There was one, and me, I tested it just with like my vault stick and it doesn't pick it up. And I was just like, and there was nothing on it. I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. And I cut it and just, it was like the biggest bang I'd ever heard. And it just started like a little fire on the end of the cable, eventually sort of went out. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, who has seen yeah. that for starters? Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, pretty horrible. And it still sits there live. So it's like, well. Yeah, we've got to be careful. And especially if we've got staff, we, we don't want them having this situation as well. So really important, you know, as a first year, we sort of, it'd be good to just share some videos or some photos of actual burns and, and dangers and stuff. And it would be great. It's not, it's not ethically okay, but if they could feel a shock, some in a yeah. controlled environment. So it's just like, you know, even if it's, um, you know, a simulation where it's not actual voltage or current coming through, it's a simulation uh, that would mimic the feeling so that they can be aware of that's happening um, in the case. But all these things we got to think about, you know. So, um, but yeah, interesting. Hey, man, love to talk more about uh, your business, like why you got into business. Uh, what are what are some of the challenges that you immediately identified? Let's jump into into that. Yeah, so I've always always sort of known that I wanted to work for myself at some point. Once I started my company, sort of seeing well, when I started my apprenticeship and seeing where the bosses of my old company were and I just used to think like wow like that's that's awesome they get to do this and that and blah 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 and then I've always just been really keen to build that sort of lifestyle for myself where I don't have to be on the tools I don't have to be running around you know doing a nine-to-five job all the time um, just to make like average money that was the yeah. biggest thing for me I just wanted to have a nice lifestyle and not be chained to a job full time so yeah it was I was always hesitant to do it um as you know I was going I was going to go into a partnership with a tradesman from my old firm and then that sort of didn't uh happen due to all the COVID stuff and then me I don't know what happened but something just sparked and I said yeah I'm just going to do it and I just went yeah straight into the deep end and you know it was we were in uh, level four lockdown here so you weren't allowed to leave your house and I thought it was a great time to register a company <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna do it COVID's hit it's time to shine yeah and it worked out to be my best year ever <laughs> so amazing dude and um what's really cool is like when you like my experience and from probably over a thousand people that have seen start an electrical business and worked with um when you first start an electrical business, you what you think it's going to be is completely different to all of the unforeseen issues that you have to face and navigate. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of combinations, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of combinations of if this thing happens and that thing happens and that thing happens, I've got to react like this. And there's, and then it goes multiple across all these different industry, uh, so occupations as well. As a business owner, you're like admin, electrician, you know, as a sole trader, electrician, admin, uh, you know, bookkeeper, accountant, uh, scheduler, like this operations manager, like everything is in one one person. You've got to try and do it all well. Um, yeah. And so it's just chaos when you start. Um, and without any idea with systems and processes, it can just become spaghetti bog. And um yeah, I definitely went through so many ups and downs trying to figure that shit out. And uh, the downs are really down when you have no idea how to even resolve the problem. So you've got to test multiple things and go, is this going to work? No, nah, that didn't work. Is this going to work? No, nah, that didn't work. Is this going to work? No, nah, that didn't work. You know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah exactly. and then eventually you get the right one. You're like, oh, sweet. Now I'm moving on to the next stage. And like, it's just oh, such a yeah. maze. But that was the biggest thing for me just not having systems so you know i'm trying to one do my job properly and then find work my biggest focus when i started was like where where is it going to come from how do i find it but then when i had it i didn't you know i didn't know what i was doing in the sense of right how do i price this um okay they've just asked for a quote for all these jobs i've never done that before you know how do i i've got no idea how much a you know how much a switchboard upgrade costs no idea 
you know so it was little like learning all those things and then having systems in in place to you know schedule in jobs making sure you're not forgetting things that's where asana was like my biggest lifesaver because i'm the most forgetful person ever so without that it was just such a struggle so Yeah. yeah just getting all those systems in place has been yeah the most important thing once you have that everything else sort of follows and it becomes a lot mm. easier yeah so what do you feel as some of the like you've mentioned asana there but what were some of the other systems that you've learned maybe uh prior to starting what did you let's start prior to the academy and then after academy just to give people an idea of what it's like trying to figure it out yourself versus having the systems taught to you uh what is what was it like prior to the academy to work out what to do right Oh, yeah. Well, in in my way, I definitely wasn't doing it right, but I was doing everything the longest way possible. So I was kind of just making up prices as I went. And like, you know, you would go to the wholesaler, you'd buy something, you'd, you know, look at the price and you're like, right, okay, I'm going to add that much to it. And then you got to add, oh, I'm here for this long. And it's just like really and all my invoices were structured so horribly. Like they didn't just, they just looked all over the show. And so people, I couldn't even make sense of them. So if a customer would come to me and say, well, like, what is this? I wouldn't be able to tell them. I've got no idea. <laughs> so I was running around doing that, undercutting myself and thinking I was doing great when it wasn't. So yeah, the, the biggest thing is like just learning how to price properly, um, setting it all up so that, each invoice and each quote doesn't take you over an hour, you know, to sit there and try and figure out, you know, where you've gone wrong. So that's where that like, you know, the shopping list pricing system was the biggest game changer for me. And it just made it so easy for my customers as well. Showing like I was able to convert more because I could do things straight away, not having to say, Oh, I don't know. I think maybe it's, this much um let me get back to you and then they've mm. just like called up someone else and then they've got it you know so being yeah. able to tell someone how much something costs straight away was the biggest game changer for me and yeah so i'm able to you know upsell on site pretty much every single job now just because i know how much things cost yeah uh, that that reaction speed from a, a meeting a customer and then delivering a price confidently to saying I can get it done on this day is one of the biggest things in terms of uh, quote conversions. Like the amount of people that rock up to a job and they'll say, okay, no worries. Thanks. I've got all the information. Then they go away and they get busy. Oh, I've got to go to that job. Now I've got to go to that quote now. And they get busy and it's like four or five, six, seven, eight days later, they send the quote to the customer by then they're, they've got another quote and they've booked in the job and you've lost it or they've realized that you're not urgent about this job. So they become unurgent about this job if they're busy. Usually when people reach out to you, they've got a frame, a little fragment in time where they feel that they're not busy. So they call the electrician, get that stuff fixed or that job done. Um, and so we've got to act within that time frame. Otherwise you lose that opportunity and then they're busy again. So we've got to also realize a lot of the time when you're following up quotes, people get busy and you've got to keep following up. So um, it's awesome that you've learned that. And the shopping list pricing system compared to what it was like a year or even, you know, a year, yeah, probably a year ago has evolved so much over this last year, um, even with the ability to like some of the ways that we show to use G Suite to, you know, allow staff to comment on the, on the items and if the pricing's not right and how to link the, you know, the estimated time uh, with the expected time to complete a job. All of those things are big upgrades that you got to benefit from and you can see the results and your understanding around pricing now as well, which is cool. Yeah, exactly. Just making sure that you cover yourself for every scenario as well has been the biggest thing because I've found times where it's like, right, that was actually bang on or oh, I probably should have priced that a little bit higher and you can constantly go back and change them for different you know, scenarios or make a new one for a different, like it's just been great. So yeah. Ideally, like I'd, I'd like to see what happens when you do hire your first tradesman, which I think is going to be really soon. Um, but when you do hire your first tradesman, um, what tends to, a lot of people make the mistake of they'll price it to the speed that they do it. 
And so by the time the tradesman comes in, who doesn't really care as much as you, who hasn't got the passion to systemize his job, he doesn't really care if he has to go back to the van seven or eight times or she. Um, and so they don't really care about that stuff uh, generally. Some people are primo and they're rare and hard to find. And if you get one, that's great. Good on you. Good, <laughs> very lucky. Um, but most mm. people, they, they haven't been taught that efficiency. They haven't been taught how to systemize a job. And so when that happens, you've said, oh, it's going to take me an hour and they actually take an hour and a half and then they'll take an hour and a half on the next job and an hour and a half on the next job. And you're like, what are you even doing? You know? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so we've got to be mindful and have a system that actually feeds back the speed uh, and the quality of our staff's jobs to us as a manager so we can reflect on, is this price correct for my team? Because everyone's team is different. Um, everyone's scenario and state or country is different. And so we need to understand that what time goes into it is first like someone goes and buys a price sheet from someone else or a, a business that has their price pricing that you can just buy. We have to make sure if you're doing that, you are, you are on onto that shit and making sure your team performs at that level and not just taking that pricing system and, and thinking or hoping that's going to be right for your team. Yeah, exactly. Well, that yeah, that's the thing. It's just covering yourself for little things as well because, you know, like everything to talking to the customer, getting your tools out, cleaning up, um, putting all the rubbish away, all of those things need to be factored in because it's your time. So, you know, you're spending a lot of time doing that as well throughout the day. Like today, I had six like small to medium sort of jobs. And I was on my own. So it was like, you're doing all those things here, you know, trying to convert on site as well. You're trying to clean up. You're trying to ask about them. You're trying to do the job. You're trying to make sure your um, ute or your van isn't getting too cluttered so you can actually work out of it for the next job. And yeah. it's like if you're not covering yourself for all that extra time as well, it's not really worth it. Mm. No, 100%, dude. And um, so other than the pricing, so you said you really struggled understanding – how to get jobs, how to get clients. So what do you think was one of the biggest things that you took away potentially in uh, incubator or peak performers that helped you to really start to get the, the tap turned on in terms of the leads coming in? The biggest turning point for me, in, it was in incubator, um, the million dollar messenger strategy. When you guys yeah. taught me how to do that, that changed the game for me. I still use it to date yeah all the time and that that's been the biggest one for me um just converting all all that stuff with you know local homeowners through you know through facebook um you know through google and all these other avenues um it's just been like a game changer for me knowing exactly what to ask when to be urgent when to sort of stand off and just nine times out of ten a lot of people haven't been asked like these sorts of questions and stuff. So like the biggest one for me was when I reached out to a few, you know, builders and trying to get in work with them. A lot of the time it's just like, you know, timing as well, like luck and timing. If you don't ask, you might not get the job, but if yeah. you have asked, then they know that you're there. And if something else comes up, they might use you in the future. So it's just doing stuff like that. I never, I was a bit sort of didn't know where I stood when I started. So I didn't, you know, didn't want to yeah. just go in guns blazing, <laughs> you know, didn't know what I was doing. So that's what you need to do though. Like it's uh, so many people will start even businesses, five, six years. They're like, no, nah, I've just done it organic, you know, word of mouth the whole time. And these people will wait for work to come to them. So that's called, that's called uh, reactive response to jobs. We want to be proactive and create a proactive system. Is that door shut? Yeah. Um, a proactive uh, system to enable us to be able to create work for ourselves. And when you learn how to turn on the tap, create work for yourself, that's when you learn how to scale. And you, you also build the confidence, which I love so much about the Million Dollar Messenger strategy, more than just the actual step-by-step -step strategy, which actually works, is the lesson it teach you, teaches you around numbers. Like it's a numbers game. It's a timing game and it's a follow-up game. And if you learn those three things through that messenger strategy, following the steps, you realize that shit, like 
if I just do 10 of these every single day, that's 50 a week. And I get 1% uh, conversion rate on these high value clients. That's still one big client every fortnight, you know? So it's, um, it's one of those things that we, you know, we, we feel like we fear rejection and we don't want to put ourselves out there in case someone says no, cause it hurts. Oh fuck. I failed. Oh, I'm not good enough. You know, we tell mm. ourselves that narrative. I'm not good enough for them. It's not, I'm not good enough. What I did is change the script, change the narrative to they're not ready yet. Yet. Yeah. Not ready yet. But I'll continue to follow up until it's ready. So. And that's the thing. And it's um, the biggest thing that I've learned through the Academy as well is just identifying the types of customers that you do actually want to work for. Cause I was investing so much time into these shitty customers that you're not really getting anything out of. They're just rude. All they care about is like the cheapest price and you know, you do absolutely everything for them. They don't, you know, no regard to what you're doing at that point in time, whatever um, Mm -hmm. to finding these awesome customers that actually value what you do and get as excited about it as you do. So, you know, learning, um, I remember one session that I had with Kirk, through um, Incubator, which uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, property management and real estate uh, clients and, um, you know, using all those strategies. Now that's like quite a lot of my work and, um, you know, just knowing how to approach these people, following up with people is probably the biggest thing that I've taken away is, you know, half the time they're so busy that they've actually just forgotten that you've dropped yeah. in. As well. So if you're not constantly there, um, you, you probably won't get anything out of it. Yeah, the follow-ups is the biggest one. Yeah, totally. Yeah, leave those customers for non-academy members. That's fine. (laughs) We'll take the cream. Yeah, 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 that's. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you know the the other thing? um, You know, when it comes to learning around your numbers, I know you've been starting to really dive into understanding your numbers now. Um, So, how has that helped you actually understanding the numbers of your business? Yeah, well, it, it's just sort of knowing where you stand as well. And it sort of just, it takes it right back to, right, do I need to get more work? Do I, can I support all these overheads that I have? Um, is it the right time to hire someone? Is it, you know, do I have enough work to come in where I can get someone doing my workload and then I can just be spending all this time finding more work, which is sort of where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just awesome. And it sort of gives you the confidence to know if I can get this much more each month, gives you a little goal to set. I can hire someone or I can get that nicer van or I can do this and that. So it's, it's super important. And I was sort of, I always thought it was really hard to sort of understand that still, I've still got a lot to learn um, with it, but yeah, knowing your figures and knowing your ingoings, outgoings and yeah, just your P and L being all over your P and L is so important. Yeah, and the balance sheet as well, like knowing the tax debt that's accumulating in the background or, you know, some of those things like a big one that a lot of people don't know. And if you're listening to this and you haven't been through Incubator or Peak Formers, you will probably not know either unless you've figured this out yourself. But if you pay yourself a dividend or a uh, director's drawing um, and it's set up as a liability or a equity account, in your chart of accounts in your accounting software, it's not on your profit and loss. I see so many people that show me their profit and loss. I'm like, where's your, where do you pay yourself? And they're like, Oh, I pay myself to this. And there's all of this money sitting over here. It says they're making $10,000 a month. But when we, when we put that money back into the, the P and L um, when we set up the Academy P and L uh, method, then you, you see that they're actually negative profit all the t- like often. And they're like, oh my God, that's explains why my bank's like dipping down and doing all the things where it, it was just saying you're making 10,000, 10,000, 8,000, 6,000, 8,000. It's like, how's my bank going down? Like, it just says it's going positive, positive, positive. If that's you now, like, man, there's something going on in the background. We've got to sort that out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the biggest thing. I'm still sort of, um, I need to crack on with a few things in zero and just make sure I dial in right down to knowing where every single dollar goes. Um, yeah. I'm like, I've got a pretty good accountant where I've just said, look, I need to, you know, dive right into this. So 
yeah, that might be the next session for us, Greg. Yeah, cool. Bring it to an energy call and we'll have a look. Um, so uh, tell me more about what you uh, I get up to in your spare time, man. What's your what's your hobbies? Are you, have you have given them all away because you started a business like I sort of did when I started? Or where are you at with yeah, that? Yes and no. Yes and no. I still got I, I still get pestered by all my mates. Oh, come out, do this, do that. So um, yeah, I think yeah, it's just just classic lads. We all love going out for a beer, mate. And we all used to um, we all used to skate through high school and stuff. So it's a, there's a lot of that still going on. Nip down, have have a cruise round. We all play a bit of summer football and stuff. So yeah, just just classic sort of lad stuff. Try spend as much time with. You know, my girlfriend and her family when I do get a moment because that stuff's super important and you yeah. can quite quickly, you know, I remember in the beginning, still sometimes now, like, you know, you get home and you're still in the office until, mm. you know, like eight, nine o'clock at night and then, you know, you've, you've had dinner and you just go to bed. You don't actually yeah. see see that person, which is yeah. so, you know, we, we always, you know, schedule in time to either go do a date night or go see some of our friends or do this and that because it is super important because before you know it you know you're just busy all the time so it's yeah. and, you know it's nice to break it up and sort of you know leave your phone at home go out see your mates i think if like spot on man if you're doing that already it's great uh, a lot of time you if you don't schedule in the time to do those important things for yourself then they just don't happen if you're running a business you'll the work will always, you'll always find more work to do. You know, you, you might get some spare time. If you're, if you haven't scheduled in time with your partner or your wife or your kids or whatever, you'll find other stuff to do. You'll go, Oh, I'll just do those other quotes or I'll follow up those quotes or I'll, I'll start, you know, stalking some other electricians to see how I improve my website or I'll go on Facebook and have a look in the Facebook groups. Like you always find something else to do. So scheduling in those important things like, football you know your sport that you love to do seeing friends family and having that in your calendar as like a set block and turn work off during that period then you still get the fulfillment and you don't lose those relationships and and connections yeah um, plus it gives you, you something to look forward to as well like me and a bunch of the lads all uh pencil in one day a month, we take the day off work and we go and play 18 holes of golf. That's our thing that we do, you know, every month. Nice. And it gives something to all look forward to, you know, oh, you get to see all your mates, have a beer, have a game and just just don't worry about it. But you've got, you know, you've got something to look forward to. So every time, you, you know, you're doing those long hours and those days, you're like, right, you know, I've got this coming up. It's just, it just makes you feel way better about doing it all because I know, when I get swamped, it's quite, you can quite easily get down like, all right, well, you know, what am I doing? Yeah. just working all the time so mm -hmm. yeah it is it is rewarding seeing it grow but then if you're attached to the growth then you you feel really depressed when it's sinking <laughs> so you've yeah. got to be okay with a bit of both you know and and um making sure that you don't one of my biggest regrets is i stopped playing guitar you know i was so focused in growing my business like so fucking focused it became my addiction was to grow my business and i you know, I used to play video games a lot and um, I'd get stuck playing video games and I used to do role-playing games a lot as well because I could level up and get stronger and get better weapons. And like, I saw my business as that, like I've, now I'm in a real life video game and um, yeah. I'm leveling up and putting on vans and getting more tools. And <laughs> like, this is part of my, my life game, but um, totally love it. And, um, but then I realized, you know, probably seven years after starting my business that I had to I had to reschedule myself in and I lost a lot of my ability over that time and a few relationships where I just hadn't seen those certain people over that time. And uh, relationships are pretty awesome. If you've got a good relationship, they tend to come back pretty quick, but I don't think it was as strong as it could have been if I kept seeing them the whole time. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. That That's the thing as well. Um, you know, just a, a lot of people, I've, I've been really lucky with a lot of my you know, mates and stuff, they all see each other all the time. And there's times where you can't, you know, you can't do it, but they understand. They know, like, you're still there. They still invite you to everything. They still do this and that. So that's why it's super important to put that time back into them, especially your partner as well. Like, in the beginning, that was like, we'd always just have arguments and fight all the time because I was always mm. tired, always working, always yeah. stressed about different things. She never saw me. And it was just like I was becoming this person 
who I'm not basically just because I was stressing and not doing things properly. Yeah. And now that we schedule in time and we do everything, we're both just so much happier. Like I'm, yeah. I'm so happy because I know, like the the fact that I schedule out two hours of an afternoon or you know one evening, like that's not going to change anything to your business really. That time, like if you if I sat behind a computer for two hours, in the grand scheme of things, I'm not going to change too much. But if you're you know neglecting these people, that'll ch- you know change a lot. Yeah. 100%. I think that's what I'm most passionate about when it comes to coaching electrical business owners. Like the amount of stress and depression and pain that I went through building response because I didn't have a support base. Like I had some good friends and in, in good places, but I didn't, I wasn't an open access. You know, I had to, I had to play it cool. I couldn't contact them every single day with certain people because, you know, for different reasons. And then, you know, I used to love, well, I still do. I love going to the Master Electricians Conference once a year. It's once a year, you know, like you get that personal connection once a year. Um, so I'm just really passionate about being there every step of the way with our, our guys in the academy and to teach those things that will prevent you from even having to go to the deep, dark places that I and a lot of other electricians who might be listening to this have been. Um, and so, you know, it's I'm super stoked for you, actually, like, it's great that you're already doing that right at the start of the business. So in the first year. Yeah. Well, it's all, yeah. All thanks to you guys and just the awesome like groups that we've got, you know, like I've, I've made some awesome friendships with like all you guys through this, you know, you're, you're seeing each other constantly on all these video calls, starting to really get to know each other. Have a laugh. Like it's just a really nice vibe to it. And just knowing that all these guys are in the exact same position as you is actually quite funny as well. So when you hear someone talking about something you're like, oh no, or like, yeah, like yeah. you get really pumped up with people's growth. Like Mick has been a massive like motivator for me <laughs> yeah. as well, just seeing him, he's just charging all the time. And it's like, yeah. it's funny as as well. And it just gets you, puts you in a good mood. So just, yeah. just seeing that from all the guys is great. Yeah. Hey, just um, just from your perspective as a as a member, like maybe someone that might be listening to this might be wondering, what is the difference in the different levels? Could you share like the journey for you, like starting up at mastermind level, um, and then how that's you know what you what you see are the you know the positives from each of the different levels that you've been in? Yeah, so basically, so when I started, it was just straight mastermind, so. I did that. Um, I had a few few calls with a few of the coaches just sort of getting me ready, showing me how to use it and do all that. And you have one call, you know, that one call a week, um, you know, going over a few different things. The learning modules all through um, Mastermind were great. Like that was that was the first one for me. I used to sit down on the weekend and just go through all of them and start writing down all the stuff. But it was just so hard on one night a week to get your question in that you had with so many other people. So yeah. joining incubator when it just dialed in and you guys were just throwing all this information at us. And there was only, I can't remember how many people were in my incubator, I remember like 13 odd or something. And you could really get in there, ask your questions and do everything. It was just great. And the stuff that you learned in that just changed. Well, that's when I leveled up completely. And then peak performance has just been, again, I just thought, can it actually get better? And it did. It just got way better. So now, you know, being, having, you know, private coaching access, being able to talk with all the guys every single day, having your group chats, all your energy calls, your staff training. It's just like, it's just, yeah, it's 24 seven, basically. So it's great. 24 seven support. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I just uh, love to be able to be there for everyone um, and have the structure and the framework to be able to support at that high level um, and to be a complete open book at that stage as well. You know, in peak performers, I don't hold anything back. If there's something I, I have to teach, I'll teach it. And um, I think that's, you know, really important um, to help people, f- you know, to be vulnerable, you know, and for all of us to be able to be vulnerable with our friends in peak performers is what helps us, you know, break down what's actually wrong and come up with a strategy to get past that sticking point uh, faster with less stress and less mistakes moving forward. So, um, you know, that's what I'm totally loving about peak performance at the moment. So, Oh, yeah, it's awesome. And just the, like, different sorts of um, things that you're bringing to these energy calls and stuff as well, like having, um, oh, God, what's his name? Steve with um, all the 
financial stuff going over not only your business financials but your personal stuff and knowing where you want to be at this point and then um having jack i think his name was jackson the um yeah another financial coach and going really into the mental sort of how you're thinking about different things and just sort of it's just so motivating oh, that's that's the biggest one to keep you going all the time having all these calls and just you can see it all the guys just getting so pumped up all the messages after the calls it's great so yeah that up on top of all the electrical support is just yeah fantastic yeah full team and then this year we've we're uh, once a month we're doing admin training for all of the admin staff and ops teams so zero job management system scheduling all that sort of stuff that's part of the program as of this year um, and we've, you should see the lineup that we've got of coaches, um, you know, all different types of coaches in all different fields, you know, helping us understand their expertise at a deeper level uh, and ex- with their experience. So it's going to be a really good year, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'm super pumped to see sort of what that, you know, what that means for all of us because I know for a fact um, – I'd love an admin staff at this point. <laughs> we should so. be looking for a VA very soon. So, um, you know, I think in this uh, upcoming intensive, we're doing uh, virtual assistance and how to uh, hire, optimize, and take your VA staff members, like what roles to give them and how to let them take over a lot of your your hassles. So um, that's going to be a good one. Yeah. Sorry, I've just had people turn up at the house. That's all right. Someone was knocking on my door before as well. Hello, can yeah. I grab something? All good, dude. Hey, man, it's been awesome chatting to you. Uh, so stoked to hear your story a little bit deeper into what, where you came from, what you did in your apprenticeship and as a tradesman, what got you into business. I really appreciate you spending the time with us, man, and um, uh, looking forward to more chats. Uh, something else we're going to be doing, so I invite you along to it as well, is uh, a panel we're going to do some panel chats around certain products, services, websites, stuff like that, where we come a group of six of us. There'll be three academy members, uh, peak performers, uh, two coaches and one representative of the product. Um, so that's, I'll invite you along to that as of you're always getting a chance to do that, but that's going to be some fun podcast stuff that we'll be releasing as well. So. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm super keen on that. I heard the guys um, talking about the smoke alarm one the other day. Yeah. I'd be really, really keen to look back at that and see what that's yeah. all about. Yeah, it's coming out. All right, dude. Uh, appreciate your time. All the best and look forward to spending more time with you and all the- have a great day. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Cheers for that, Greg. Thanks for that, mate.